just get on. Hey, I'm on. Boy, that doesn't take long, does it? God, well, listen, turn to the person next to you, welcome them, then be seated and smile on the way down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. It is good to be with you today, and as Pastor Jackie said, my wife was with us yesterday, and uh, her foot started swelling today. She couldn't put any weight on it. Uh, we're not discouraged by that because we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ who's healing her right now. He's paid for that price of healing, and it's just being manifested. I, I truly believe in that. Whenever you're attacked, and if, if you're in planet Earth today, and you are, guess what? You will have opportunities to be attacked by the enemy. He does that to distract you. And uh, one thing I shared with Pastor yesterday, what you get distracted by is never as important as what you get distracted from. See, distractions try to pull you away from what you should be looking at. So you get what I'm saying? So there are many distractions that come to your life, physical distractions, you know, financial distractions, uh, things of the world. But the, what we have to keep our attitude about is that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We may live here, but we changed our citizenship when we got born again. Now we're children of, the, of light. We're citizens of heaven. Glory to God. I'm so excited about that. But, uh, and I, who, who comprised the praise and worship this morning? I thank you. Who was it? God bless you. You hear, you hear God. <laughs> that was right on with the message that I have today about the goodness of God. Oh, yes, it truly is. Matter of fact, you open your word to Psalms 34, verse 8. As you're turning there, I want to share something that the Lord has shared with me here recently. Because I, I believe he's told me as during praise and worship, this was a word for this church right now and for you. Uh, and as you're turning there, let me just read to you. Remember the account when uh, Satan was speaking to Eve? And uh, what he was said to her, you know, about partaking of the tree. Notice what he said here. It's, uh, he said in verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, to Eve, You'll surely, You shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day they eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The Lord said to me one day, he says, you need to see that in the light that it was given. What Satan was saying, God is keeping something from you. If you take this, well, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good for me. He is trying to keep something from you. That's what the devil was saying. And I say to you today, anytime you entertain a thought that God is keeping something from you, that is a seed of bitterness that the devil tries to plant in your heart to separate you from God. Trying to separate you from trusting in the Lord. Trusting His Word, trusting His nature, trusting His ability. I tell you what, God is for you. He's not against you. But the devil will try to bring up instances. Okay, I'll give you an instance. Okay, if you're my wife right now and she was crying when I left because she wanted to be here, she, she wants to always be a good example. She doesn't want to have to uh, go through anything. You know what I'm saying? And, and so right then the Lord was sharing with us that that was just the enemy trying to distract us 
from what we should be looking at and holding on. So don't think yourself bad when you go through situations in life. And don't you put anybody down for going through anything in their life either. We're in this thing together and we're all growing and we're all growing at the rate that we are growing in and they are too. Don't ever try to demand somebody to operate within your revelation. That is unjust. Too many Christians do that. 1st person gets born again, you try to clean him up. Well, listen, if you push them so much, they will respond to you and trying to please you and doing it to please you, not doing it to please God. You have to give liberty to people to grow at their rate. Let them go. You just need to be the model in front of them living it out. But don't let a seed of bitterness be put in your heart by the enemy by ever saying to you, God is keeping something from you. He's not. The Bible says he has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Glory to God. He's given us everything pertaining to things in this life and godliness, the things of the Spirit. So we are not lacking in an area. Have you found Psalms 34, 8? <laughs> okay, what do we read in the Scripture? It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Heavenly Father, as we break the bread of life, the Word of God today, as we partake of it, I pray, Lord, that the truth, the revelation will come into each one of our hearts that will impact us, Lord, and more than anything, bring us closer to you. Father, I yield myself to you that I might minister from your heart to the heart of these, your precious people. May they hear, may they receive. In Jesus' name, we seal this time as a holy time in your holy presence, and we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen, amen. You know, the scripture here says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see means experience. If I said, man, I, I, I got a good uh, piece of steak on my plate, and I said, oh, this is so good. And if I gave a piece of it to my wife, says, taste and see, what am I wanting her to do? I'm wanting her to take it. I'm wanting her to partake of it and say, yes, this is good. What is God saying? He said, I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. This is talking about having an experience with the Lord. It talks about an ongoing experience, a relationship, an intimate relationship. If I don't share something with you today to help you bring you closer and more intimate with the Lord, then I fail. But I tell you what, I believe the Holy Ghost is here just to do that. But he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience Him. What's going to be the result? That you can trust Him. You cannot trust somebody you do not know. You can't trust somebody you don't know. You don't know if they're telling you the truth or not. But the Bible is telling us here, hey, taste and see. Experience the Lord. Partake of Him. And when you have this relationship, one of the results is you begin to find of His consistency, His compassion. You know, it, it, it's continuous and you begin to trust Him. Because you, you've tasted of the Lord. Now, our, our walk with the Lord is by relationship. We understand that. Amen? Uh, the religions of the world 
all have to do with commandments, with do's and don'ts. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. And we've got to watch that we don't bring the old covenant into the new covenant because the old covenant was all about man trying to achieve a position with God, a man trying to earn a position, earn the love of God. But in the new covenant, Jesus has done that for us. He's paid the price. We don't have to do it now. We receive what he's done. We taste and see. We partake of what he's done. Well, the old covenant was given just so man could find out and discover there's nothing you can do to save yourself. That was the whole idea, you know, in the old covenant. And it is a schoolmaster, the Bible tells us, a schoolteacher teaching us about the Word of God and who the Lord is. But in this, we have a relationship with the Lord by birth. And in that, uh, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis upon doing. But I have to read the Word, and the Word refers to you and me as believers. It doesn't refer to us as doers. What am I saying about that? You mean that we shouldn't do? No. You do what you believe. The emphasis must be upon you, the believer, so that therefore you do what you do. You see, I, I responded to the love of God when I got born again. When you got born again, you responded to the love of God that was drawing you. He loved you before you ever loved him. So you see, there's nothing you can do to make God love you. He already loves you. He loves everybody out in this world. Amen. But in that, when I got born again and the love of God came in my heart, man, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, things began to happen. And like I said earlier, but we all, it all happens at different rates in each and every one of us. So we give liberty to that. Now, that doesn't mean lay down, sit down. That just means... God isn't in a hurry. What do I mean by that? God's not pushing you. You see, to be a doer, you need to be a believer first. <laughs> Therefore, anything I do now flows not because I'm trying to attain something from God. No, it's because I have received it from, from God and it's in me. Now I want to do. See, the difference is when you want to do something or if you have to do it. Amen. So the scripture identifies us as believers. Our identity is determined by what you believe, not what you do. Get a hold of that. Your identity is what you believe. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. Remember he said, in me, he said, you live, you move, you have your being. You live, he gives you life. You move, it's your ability. In Him you have your being. There's your identity. It's in Christ Jesus. So I'm not trying to do anything to make me look good. It's just that God's done something inside of me. I just want to do what God wants me to do. So I'm first a believer and then I'm a doer. If we try to get people to be doers before they're believers, then we got the thing backwards. Amen, 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 amen. So your actions are evidence of what you believe. I believe when I go get in my car, it's going to start. I am not going to cry on the way out there. I'm not going to be begging God. I'm going to say, oh, Lord, please let my car start. No, I believe it's going to start. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act like it. I'm going to get in that car, and I'm going to push that button with my foot on the brake, and nothing's going to happen because it's a hybrid. It just sits there. You know what I'm saying? But... 
Your actions are evidence of what you believe. And what did the Bible says? Believers, I like this, in Acts 5, 14, it says, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. Notice it talks about we're believers. We're not just doers. No, we're believers first. If you focus just on the doing, you're looking in the natural. We got to look in their heart and help them in their heart and their spirit. Amen. So God is not demanding us to trust him because you cannot demand anybody to trust you. Listen, trust and respect's earned. You earn that right. And, and, and you will trust God to the degree, and God will meet you at the degree that you trust him. When you get born again, when you say, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. I truly believe that. He said, you're born again. Remember, the Holy Spirit comes to reprove the world of what? Righteousness and judgment, and talks about in sin. He judges the world of sin. Why? Because they believe not. The only thing the Holy Spirit is getting a person born again is helping them come to that revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then what happens in that moment? Old things are passed away. All things become new. I mean, the Holy Ghost won't even talk to you about your past. You know why? Because the Bible says, God says, I'll remember your past no more. So how can the Holy Ghost bring up some of your past? He won't. Man, you're a new creature. Take that weight off of you and walk on with the Lord. Hallelujah. You're a believer. And your believing may be minute at that point compared to where you are now, but that's where you began, and that's where we help other people as they begin. I love the scripture. It says in Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not you telling somebody how bad they are. No, let's lift Jesus up. He said, if you lift me up, I'll lift all men unto me. And, and it's just talking about and experiencing the goodness of God. When you just meditate on the goodness of God, it just simply brings a smile to your face and joy in your heart. And I tell you what, you're going to attract more people, especially in today's world, who's looking for peace, who's looking for joy. And God said, when you got born again, I put my DNA inside of you. And all of the fruit of the Spirit is resident inside of you. And as Galatians 5 tells us, the Holy Spirit, it's in one translation, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So isn't that amazing? If we're talking about doing, God says, hey, be at peace. I'm giving you the Holy Ghost. He's going to produce it in you. Yield to him. Work with him. Not only that, Jesus said, hey, uh, Jesus is the vine and, and we're the branches. Then he went on to say, there's nothing you can do without me. And then he says, you'll produce more fruit. Well, glory to God. So I'm attached to Jesus. I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. I don't have to worry about my life right now. Why? Because I've tasted, I've seen that the Lord is good. And blessed am I because now I trust in him. But it doesn't look like it. No, no, that's your distraction. That's distracting you from what you should be focused upon. Who the Lord Jesus is. Amen, amen, amen. So our worship of him even comes from knowing and experiencing his love for us. That's why we worshiped him this morning. That's why we were singing the songs about God being so good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I just love that. So being loved by God not only transforms us as people, but his love becomes the motivation for everything that we do in life. He not only changed me, but his love inside of me now is my motivation for everything I do. 
You were talking about honoring the Lord and your tithe. I don't give because I have to. I, and, and I don't do, listen to what I'm going to say now. Let me finish it. I don't get to give. I just know how my God operates. I know his nature that when I do give, I know I'm going to get. But my heart really isn't, I'm, I'm trying to push God to do something. No, no, no. I know he loves me so much. He said, listen, I'm going to multiply your seed sown. God said that. He's the same one who said, if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth, Jesus Christ, Lord, you're saved. Now, am I going to believe one and not believe the other? I'm going to believe in both. He's going to multiply my seed. But why did I worship the Lord even in my giving? Because, see, we have one worship service here. You worship in song. You worship in your tithe and offer. And we worship in the Word. It's a worship service. And when you give to the Lord, it should always be, Lord, I'm honoring you. And pastor just exhibits that because you see her love and her heart for the Father and what he's done in her. And he wants you, she wants you to have the same benefits that she's been experiencing. And it doesn't mean you have to have a lot of money in your pocket to be prosperous. It means having your needs met and ample beside to meet the needs of others. Because I tell you what, if you looked in my life, you looked in my checkbook, you wouldn't see a lot. But I tell you, I'm a blessed man. My house is paid for and, and our car is paid for. I even wrote a check last year and paid the car off when we bought it last year. Now, well, look at you. You're just a minister. No, I'm a believer. I am a giver. I give because I love God. And when God tells me to do something, I just love to do it. I'm serious. He just told me and my wife here just two weeks ago to give somebody $5,000. We did it. Last year, a, man, a pastor had an accident, and he didn't have a very good car to begin with, but the Lord says, give him $4,000. I did it. I tell you what, it, it, and it comes back in. Hear what I'm saying? Don't think that somebody is blessed just because they may have a lot. You can even have a little because you don't worry. My little is enough to get me a lot. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying? That, that's, what am I doing in that? I'm not being distracted by a checkbook. I'm focused upon my father who multiplies my seed sown. He says, You're, remember the fowls of the air and the flowers? He said, hey, aren't you better than either one of these? He'll take care of you. So much worry goes on, and he's trying to put that seed in your heart that God's holding something back from you, and it's a lie of the devil. It's a lie of the devil. Somebody say amen to that. So how can you trust somebody you don't know? See, our freedom and our trust is directly connected to knowing Jesus. Your intimacy with him. I encourage you. We're going to go through a lot here, but the whole idea is, is knowing the Lord and fellowshipping with Him. Not just in church service, you know. I mean, and get in your car, walk out, just get up any time and all the time. I am in an attitude of prayer. I know the Lord is with me and I'm with Him, so I talk to people that's with me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm walking down this aisle here with, with, with the usher this morning, I'm talking to Him. The Lord's with me. I talk to him all the time. I do. I fellowship. I worship him. I ask him questions. I shut up. 
you need to listen. Prayer, if it's communication, sometimes you need to receive communication as much as give it. Okay, I'm meddling. I'm sorry. But the thing about it this, about trusting the Lord, we need to trust the Lord. We can see it in your pastors. You know, and as you know one another, you can see it and, and see what God is doing in their life. But Jesus, he made a statement in John 14, 9, says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Some people say, well, well okay, I understand Jesus, but who's God? Well, Jesus said, hey, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Why? He said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it, and I only say those things I hear my Father say. So he was exhibiting, you know, everything that the Father had in his heart for the people of that time. But every time you've seen him move in healing, that's a manifestation of the love of God. That's a manifestation of the Father. When you see him heal people, you, you, you raise the debt. When you see this, this is a manifestation of the love of God. As he simply walked with him, and he's saying, I want to be a model and example that you can listen to God too. You can have the same attitude. You can have the same results. As a matter of fact, he even said that. The things I do, you shall do also. Yeah. Somebody say, well, how can that be? It's the love of God. Jesus demonstrated, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You saw love demonstrated. When you see you, I, I want to see the love of God. Man, where, where you're just simply wanting to hear from God and do what God says to do. Amen. So what I'm really wanting to stress today, though, is this factor of trust. Trust is the foundation of every relationship. Trust is the foundation of every relationship. Yours and the Lord. If you're married, it's you and your spouse. You have children, it's you and your children. If, if, if you're friends, it, there needs to be trust there. In business, there needs to be trust. In this country, there needs to be trust. Well, I don't see it. I know, I know, I know. But let's don't get distracted from what we should be focusing on. Hell broke out all around Jesus. They tried to throw him off a hilltop. Didn't faze him. He wasn't distracted. You hear what I'm saying? Why? He trusted the Father. He trusted in the Holy Ghost. Oh, he trusted. And you see, what he believed, you saw it in what he did. There again, we're believers, not doers. We're focused on the wrong thing if we're just looking at doing because we're looking in the natural. No, we have to look in the things of the Spirit. And Jesus said, hey, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he is setting an example because he's one in this world to look at you and look at me and see the Father. He wants to see him. Oh, I tell you, that's the heart of God. Okay, where are there some dangers then about trust? Well, one danger in trust is if you put your trust just in man. It tells us in Jeremiah 17, 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Now notice, whose heart departs from the Lord. Now understand, I, I trust your pastors. You say you're not supposed to trust somebody. No, he's talking about when you start trusting man above the Lord. It says when your heart departs from the Lord. Listen, you're cursed if you start trusting. Listen, I trusted in a job back in, what, 19... 
80, no, 1974 when my daughter was born. I had a two-year-old and a two-month-old, and I got laid off. And I tell you what, I depended on that job. As I look back on it now, I can see my trust was in that paycheck. But when I got laid off there at Christmas time, you know, uh, I, all the way home for 20 miles, we live 20 miles away, and I was just, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I said that over and over. I was building my spirit up. And I tell you what, during that time of laid off, we actually had more money, more food, more everything was better. Three months later, I got a job and it all stopped. And I thought, what's wrong? The Lord says, you're trusting your job again. Listen, it says here, a person is actually cursed. You trust just in a man or man's work, man's labor, man's job, whatever it is. Listen, that's not, no, we've got to trust in the Lord. Amen. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blesses the man that trusts in him. Yes. Hallelujah. So what is the danger about putting trust? Putting your trust just in man. Don't do it. Now, listen, I see God in man, so I'm putting trust in God in people. Hear what I'm saying? It's when you pull away from trusting God, pull away from seeing God in others, that's when you're in danger. Hallelujah. What's another area to be that's dangerous? When you trust just in yourself. When you just trust in you. Well, I've done this so many times, I've got this together. I can handle this. Yeah, that's just a, another example of unskilled labor. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had a fleeting thought. Second Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 8 uh, through 10. This is the New Living Translation. It says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the providence of Asia. We were crushed, overwhelmed, beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but... As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead, and he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence or trust in him, and he will continue to rescue us. There has to come a point in your, in your life when you're saying, I may have some abilities, but God gave me these abilities, but I cannot trust in them. I have to continue to trust in the Lord who gave me abilities, who gave me talents, whatever it might be, because I'm going to give him glory for that. Amen? But the other thing is, I cannot just go into, oh, I'll take it. It's like somebody getting born again saying, okay, Lord, I'll take it from here. <laughs> that would be stupid. <laughs> you know, we don't, we, we're not to rely just on ourselves. If you've got something good about you, I tell you, God's given it to you. Your ability, your talents, man, your attitude, glory to God. Hallelujah. So a danger is trusting in others. The other danger is trusting yourself. Where's another big danger? This one hits a lot of people, and it's trusting in riches. And everybody said... That was a pitiful amen. But anyway, Mark 10, 24 in the New King James Version says this, Mark 10, 24. And the disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answered again and said to him, Children, how hard it is for those that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. See, there's a, a, when you begin to trust in anything other than God, you are in quicksand. You're going down. 
You may have money, that's wonderful, but don't you dare trust in them. You can have them one day and you could lose them the next. But when you trust God, you lose them the next, guess what? You believe you're going to get them back the next. Hear what I'm saying? What, what did Paul say? I know how to abound. I know how to be abased, you know. But whatever state I'm in, Nebraska or Illinois, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. Okay, amen. Okay, what else it says? Proverbs 11.28 in the Amplified. Proverbs 11.28 Amplified says, And he who leans on and trusts in and is confident in his riches will fall. But the righteous who trust in God's provision will flourish like a green leaf. Now then, do we trust God? I, bl- I trust God. That's happening in my life. And it'll continue to happen. I believe it's going to happen in your life. Continue happening in your life. Have you ever seen a, a child that you know that they may not have much? A lot of times you'd look at the parent. Don't you understand when we say that God is our God? When people see us the way we are, are living such, they a lot of times don't look at us. They say, huh. And God is supposed to be your heavenly father? Don't you dare tell me God doesn't want you blessed. God, was, how does he say he blesses? Or he, how does it say that he rejoices in? No, I'm talking about rejoices in the prosperity of his people. Okay, so got that settled right there, don't we? God said it, and we need to trust him. Amen. Now, what is the problem in that? Trusting in sometimes causes you to focus just on that. Now, now remember the scripture says, I will bless you to be a blessing. Too many people are looking, bless me. I'm looking for the blessing. No, God said, no, 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 no. Look to be a blessing. God said, I'll always make sure you're blessed so you can be the blessing. It's a matter of your, well, I guess we're being distracted then, aren't we? If we're just looking just for the blessing. You have to look for the opportunity. Lord, where can I be a blessing? God said he'll bless me to be a blessing. I trust him. So I don't fear if he says to do something. When he told me to give away a pickup, I gave away. He told me to give a car up, gave away. He told me to give two different motorcycles, I gave them away. Why? I trust the Lord. It wasn't the only motorcycle, car, or truck he ever had. You hear what I'm saying? Don't get so attached to the things. Because when it talks about riches here, it's not just talking about money. It's talking about things. Okay? These are the dangers. Trusting in others, trusting above God, trusting in others above God, or trusting just in your ability, or just trusting in riches. Well, understand this, though. There's a whole lot of benefits in trusting the Lord. Let me just read you a few of them. In Isaiah 12, 2, King James. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength. He's my song. He's also become my salvation. Glory to God. Behold, how did it say? God is my salvation. I will trust in Him. How can you trust in Him? Only because you've tasted and seen, you've experienced, you have a relationship. All relationships, remember, are growing relationships. Some people I just meet, I just fall in love with them. It's like a divine connection. 
but, but, but it has to grow. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't make something bad. No, it just says, hey, everything has a, a place in life of growing. But in this, he says, I will trust and not be afraid. Fear is one of the biggest weapons the enemy tries to use in your life. Fear, fear, fear. And what does that fear do? I can't get off of what I first opened up with. It's a distraction. What distracts you is never as important as what you get distracted from. So when you are tempted to fear, you're pulling away from that image, that perception, as you see your Heavenly Father, as you see Jesus as your Jehovah Jireh, your provider, as you see Him, your source, He is your life. In Him I live and move and have my being. All of this I'm seeing. I can trust Him because I'm walking in a relationship and my relationship is continuing to grow and my trust continues to grow. Hear what I'm saying? Well, Lonnie, do you ever have an opportunity where you're challenging your trust? Oh, of course. I'm on planet Earth. And the devil's still alive. He's, he's a loser. <laughs> the oldest loser on planet Earth, I may add. <laughs> but you'll be tempted. Don't you ever think, well, I'd never have a problem. Oh, I think there's a problem right there. <laughs> you know, we don't want to put these false faces on that we never have a Listen, especially us in ministry, sometimes we get attacked more than y'all do because the enemy tries to tear down any type of a model or an image in front of you. I ended up once in the hospital when I pastored, uh, and I had some women say to me, oh, if Pastor Lonnie's in the hospital, I don't know if we can even believe for him. Oh, that hurt me, burned me up. By the way, they put me in the hospital and said, we can't do anything for you because you're okay, now let me go. Even though I, I was bringing up the bile and everything and vomiting, my blood count was way off and everything. But in two days, he said, I'm going to let you go, but I'll have you in here probably in a month and take something out of you. Never did. <laughs> but listen, in that moment, you can lose hope. And if there's one thing I have found in my life, I used to think when I was pastoring, my responsibility was really to help people grow their faith. You know what I've really found it to be? It's help people Keep their hope. Keep their hope alive. So there's people who have faith, but they've lost hope. So we have to help people keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Amen, amen. In Psalms 32.10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Glory to God. Mercy will compass him about. And I believe favor will go before you. And I believe goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That's what the Word says. So I refuse to look at the things in the natural. Instead, I'm going to trust the Lord at whatever I see. He is my Lord and He's my victory. He's my champion. Amen? You see, He, he loves you no matter what you've ever done. <laughs> he has rejected you. Listen, God did not reject David when he committed adultery or when he committed murder. God did not reject Abraham when he lied saying his wife was his sister. God did not reject Moses when he killed the Egyptian. God did not reject Rahab when she was a prostitute. And he didn't reject Noah when he got drunk. Listen, there's hope. 
God's not rejecting you either. He says, come, experience me, trust me, I will help you through every situation of life. My pastor buddy used to say, hey, God can pull you through anything if you can just take the pull. Because <laughs> sometimes that pull is stressful, but God can pull you through it every time. He's your Abba, your Daddy, your Father. He's Lord God Almighty. Oh, He's been here since the beginning of time because He had no time. <laughs> he existed before there was time. Jesus, He's your Lord, your Savior, your He's your, your redemption, He's your peace, He's your, your joy, He's your healer, He's everything that God said that He would be in your life. Amen, amen, amen. But in Isaiah 26, 3, King James, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Not distracted, not distracted. Why? Because he trusts in thee. Oh, he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. See, we have a part to play in this. The Bible tells us to bring every thought into captivity. There's times you need to tell things you're thinking on, shut up. Don't belong to you. No, I ain't going to listen to it. No, why? Because words paint pictures, and the devil tries to paint a picture of your failure and your defeat. But in God, he has no thought about your future being filled with failure or defeat. <laughs> okay? So we can't be distracted. So he'll keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed. Why? Because you're going to find your trust increases and increases and increases as you think upon the Lord. Oh, praise be to God. Worry will never get you any place. I shared with pastors yesterday that I, I believe it was Billy Graham that made a statement that uh, worry is trying to come to a conclusion without God in your equation. When you're worrying, I can tell you, you're not thinking about God. So worry is trying to come to a conclusion without God in the equation. So I can say right now, it's fruitless. You're wasting time. You might as well do what pastor's saying, ha, ha, ha. You might as well just laugh at the devil. Ha, ha, ha. Now I'm God's kid. My Heavenly Father takes care of me. I trust him. I don't trust you. You're a liar. You're the father of all lies. You're a deceiver. No, no way, no way. So what's it say then? What's the step we take? Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. See, when you try to under, bring to your understanding, you're trying to reason things out. How's this going to happen? You know, I've seen God come through at times totally way off from what I ever thought he would do. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't matter how it's going to get done, man. Just, Lord, thank you. I believe it's done. I remember Brother Hagin one time, they, they said something to him. It was something about finances. The ministry was needing some finances. And he was sitting there cleaning his fingernails. And he said, what do you think, Brother Hagin? He says, lunchtime, I'm going to get something to eat. <laughs> hey, when you trust God, hey. I'm trying to help you today. The Spirit of God is trying to help you in life. He's trying to feed His children some bread, some manna, to help you to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Your circumstances may look out of control, <laughs> but you're in the care of your Heavenly Father. 
who can change situations, who can navigate us through situations, through difficult times, as we trust Him, and we don't trust just our understanding. Amen, amen, amen. How did we start out with? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one that trusts in Him. When our hearts are persuaded that He is good, mm, our responses are to trust Him. Knowing God is good eliminates every idea or thought that He's behind any of the troubles that you have. Knowing God, that He's good, it eliminates every thought and every idea that He's behind anything bad that's happening to you right now. Taste and see, the Lord's good. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. All only thing is, focus on God's goodness. It isn't your understanding that brings you freedom. It's knowing the truth. And Jesus is the truth. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. So you see, knowing the truth is what sets you free. It's not just the word. Now, don't, I'm not, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The, when you read the word, it should reveal to you who God is and who the Lord is. I was trying to make a statement yesterday two or three times to pastor. I'm going to read it to make sure I got it right because I wrote it down. <laughs> Biblical knowledge should enhance our relationship with God. Biblical knowledge should never be a substitute for a relationship with God. Biblical knowledge should enhance our relationship with our Lord. Biblical knowledge should never be a substitute for that relationship. I just got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1971, and I was working in quality control in this one particular factory, and uh, had to go talk to these different individuals as I was checking the parts and such, and this one guy knew I was a Christian, and I knew he was, I believe he was a Christian too, but uh, yeah. Anyway, he said to me, because he was wanting to impress me, he said, what's the shortest scripture in the Bible? I said, I don't know. He said, Jesus wept. And he stood there just like this. I said, why did he weep? He said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> See, biblical knowledge should enhance our relationship with God. Biblical knowledge should not be a substitute for the relationship with God. I don't care how many scriptures you know. Do you know the one that gave the scripture? Do you know him personally? See, there's your victory. Glory be to God. Praise be to God. I love Psalms 143.8. It says, let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. See, that's a picture of David and his love and his trust for his father. What do you say in, in Psalms 143.8? This is the, okay, uh, that's the New Living Translation. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. For I am trusting you. Now show me where to walk. I give myself to you. See, that's someone that's walking with the Lord. Now, these are examples for us. 
this is how we are to live our life. We can do the very same thing. Amen. Amen. I love Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, will he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Oh, Lord. That reveals the heart of God. That reveals his character. That reveals his nature. God's not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man he should repent. He's never done anything wrong, no. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Hang in there. See, when you trust in someone, you're not moved by the moment. Because you know that trust is going to take you to the fulfillment of it. Hallelujah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusts in him. Amen. Amen. Here's a scripture in Psalms 71.5, King James. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. He's walked with the Lord. As I think about that, all the things I can just begin to recall how he's blessed me in my life. At the age of eight, I got born again. Haven't been drunk in my life. I ain't never been on drugs or tobacco or anything. Somebody says, well, what are you saying? I say, there's something about the keeping power of God. You hear what I'm saying? I know people that's been messed up. They get born again. They're just as clean as I am right now. So we don't hold anything against them. But all I'm saying is, I thank the Lord for what he's done in my life to protect. Protection. Okay, how about the time I'm out on Clinton Lake, and I was working with another gentleman. He had a landscaping business. We were, had a contract to put duck houses out on this lake, and you had to put them out on the trees. Well, at the wintertime when the ice is out there, it's a whole lot easier to go out on the ice than it is trying to crawl through the snow and carry them. So we were going to get a snowmobile with a sled behind it and take him out there. So we're walking out on this big lake. We saw something over. He starts walking over. He falls through the ice. I reached over, I ran over, and grabbed him by his parka hood. I pulled the hood off. And when he went down, he did the right thing. He put his arms straight out. But he looked up and said, this is a new coat. Don't tear it up. No, 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 no. So I reached down, I got him by the collar of his coat. Now, I'm standing on the same ice he went through, my weight, his weight, plus all the water. I pulled him out of that lake. Don't you ever tell me that the angels ain't around about us. I'm down in Guatemala with my wife, my son, and my daughter. My daughter's 12 years of age, and we're walking down the street, and somebody had stolen the, the uh, they take rebar sometimes over these, like, manholes. So the water can go down real easy. And somebody had stole it, I guess, to cook on or whatever. We're just looking. We're walking single file. My daughter's in front of me. I'm holding little Andrea's hand as we're walking along. My daughter steps in that open manhole. And it's rushing water to the rain. And, the, and I just immediately reach down for it. The only thing out of that sidewalk is her head and one arm. And the water's sucking her under. And I had to pull her up. If I had been one second later, she would have been sucked down and gone goodness of God. The goodness of God. My mom had a stroke when she was in her 70s. Went out to the house. I said, Mom, I'm going to take you to the hospital. She says, I ain't going. 
she said it was slurred words because her face was dragged, sagging, you know, and her arm hanging, her leg. I said, you give me a reason why not? She says, the Bible says, lift up your hands and hang down and he'd strengthen my feeble knees. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to stand in agreement with her. And so I had to tear a chair apart to make a potty chair for her, you know, and, and it took nine months. And she came to church that one day, got in her aisle, lifted up her hands, was washing her in her late 70s, God had healed her from that stroke. She never even said anything to a doctor, and never did a doctor ever see any sick symptoms on her body. Listen, God's good. God is so good. God is so good. There's so many different miracles that's, that, that's happened in my life. Uh, holding a man's, he had him sit in a chair, and one foot was longer than the other because he had a sole this thick, and his heel was about that thick. Never had a pair of shoes from the store in his life. And as I held his legs there, God began to move that thing. And adjustments were being made. And it wasn't just adjustments. There was new skin, new bone, new muscle. Because his leg came out. He stood up for the first time in his life, flat-footed like this. Of course, now being on the farm, we had to take a shoe out to the machine shed, put it in the vise with a hammer and chisel to cut the bottom sole and heel off because he had like a size 14 shoe and nobody else could. Anyway, he went and bought his first pair of tennis shoes in his life. And the first pair of shoes, and he worked in an office. He sat back and put his feet up on the desk and crossed them so everybody could see the goodness of God. Oh, listen, folks. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I tell you what, he is good. He's Lord. Jesus is truly the Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. He's the sinner's savior. He's the center of civilization. I can tell you, you can trust him. God, Jesus, he'll never call for help, and you'll never be able to confuse him. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He is supreme. He is truly the miracle of the age. Amen. He can satisfy all your needs, and he can do it simultaneously. Because he sees, he guides, he guards, he heals the sick, he forgives the sinner, he sets the captives free, he oversees the young, and he regards the aged. That's who our Lord is. He is the key of knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway to deliverance, the roadway to righteousness, the highway to holiness, and he's the gateway to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captive captain of the conquerors. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of the governors, the king of the kings. He's the Lord of the lords. He is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I tell you, his promise is sure. His love is everlasting. His grace is sufficient. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I tell you what, he's wonderful. Listen, Pilate, he couldn't, he couldn't find any fault in him. Herod, he couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And praise God, the grave couldn't hold him. Hallelujah. He has had no predecessor, and he'll never have a, a, a successor. Amen. Listen, you can't cause him to be impeached, but the good news is Jesus is never going to resign. Hallelujah. He's Lord. You can trust in him. He's your God, your champion, your master, your deliverer, the giver of life. Stand up and give him praise. Oh, Lord, we do.
It's time, Lord, we just want to praise you for who you are and declare, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Because we've tasted, we've seen that, Lord, you are good. <laughs> and therefore, we know we're blessed because we trust in you. Oh, Father, we honor you, Lord. We honor you. And, Lord, here in your holy presence, we come say, Lord, do whatever you need to do in the lives now of your people here. Lord, whatever needs to be done, if there's deliverance, setting free, if there's healing, anything at all, Lord, we just trust you right now that you're doing it. We don't have to lay hands on them. We could, but we don't have to. We just believe your anointing is here to touch their lives in Jesus' name. Whatever you have need of right now, just reach out with your faith right now and say, Lord, I trust you to be free from whatever it might be. Just tell him what you desire, what you believe, what you believe what you believe because you trust in Him and receive it now. Receive it in Jesus' name. And receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I was sharing with Pastor yesterday, and I don't know, I may have shared this before, but if I did, that's okay. It needs to be repeated. The Lord was telling, sharing something with me when I was ministering, and this one woman, she was, a, <clears throat> she was kept saying about, she was, she was receiving the promise of healing, and I, I don't know why, but my spirit was just being grieved, and I said, Lord, why am I being grieved? He said, because a promise is future, and she really wasn't seeing as something now. This is what he said in my heart. Salvation is no longer a promise. That promise was fulfilled with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Salvation now is a provision. You receive it. He said the baptism of the Holy Spirit is no longer a promise. That promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given. So today people can receive the Holy Spirit because it's a provision. Healing is no longer a promise. That promise was fulfilled by the stripes on Jesus' body. Therefore now it's a provision. You receive your provision. Then he went on to put something in my heart. It's something I just saw. He didn't say anything, but I just knew what he was saying. He said, if somebody was going to give you, a, come to you and said, I'm going to give you a new pickup. He said that would be a promise about the future. That promise would only be as good as the one that gave the promise. But a promise is the future. But when they would stand in front of you holding the keys, it's no longer a promise. It's a provision. You receive it. I share that with you to help you to understand. Don't look at the things that are, have been fulfilled as a promise of something in the future. It's been done. Receive it. Are there promises? Yes. The promise of Jesus coming back. The promise of us being changed in the twinkling of an eye. Yes, we have those promises yet to be done. But if something is completed, it's a provision. Receive it. Let that burn in your heart. See that in your heart and your spirit. Let it draw a picture or perception that I receive. Now, what do you do when you receive? You move into that area of trust. You move into that area of safety, that area of peace, that area of great joy, of trust. I trust in the Lord. I trust in God. Oh, when you do, I tell you what, 
the peace just comes inside of you and overflows you. As a matter of fact, if you had needed a healing here today, who, who came here and said, I needed a healing, but it's already manifested? I just know somebody has been healed. Anybody here? Maybe, maybe it's on the video. Maybe people are watching it. Because I tell you what, we're not only speaking to you here, we're speaking to those who will watch this on, on, the, on the TV. And I've seen more miracles happen on the TV recently. Uh, matter of fact, where my daughter's at church, the, the pastor looked up and, and said, some of you right now, you're getting healed. And what it was, uh, a woman in their church was in the hospital, and the nurse came in and her dad said, God's healing you right now of a headache. The woman fell on her knees crying and said, my headache just left. And he says, and you need to get things right with God and receive Jesus as your Lord. And, and he said, and when you get home today, something's going to happen. A miracle will be taking place. When she went home that night, the neighbor came over because uh, her sister was babysitting her child. The neighbor came over and had a envelope of $250 in it. Said she was praying that day. And God says, take this woman next door, $250. Listen, those miracles are happening. But I tell you what, a lot of times it's happening right there where people are watching. And we're believing for you as much as for you in here. And we can't wait to the day they have that opportunity and liberty to come and join us because there's something about coming together. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is anybody here, though, that I don't want, I, I know somebody got healed. I don't like you. I don't say here. You, sis? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. See, there's something why you want to be like in church service like this because the anointing, you know, that, that touches people. See, the preaching of the word is anointed, and that's the same thing that anointing can do anything. We love to lay hands on people and pray for them, but I just love to watch God just do what he loves to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, before I sit down, let's lift our hands one more time. And let's just tell the Father we love him. And let's tell him that we trust him. We do, Lord. We love you and we trust you, Lord, not only for today, but for our life and for an eternity, Lord. You truly are our Lord, our God, the Almighty One, our champion, our master, our king, our creator, the recreator of our spirit, the giver of life. We are so blessed by you, and we honor you, Lord, and we declare we trust in you, and we're not moved by what we see, and we refuse to be distracted by situations of life that are trying to take our attention away from you. We honor you now, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen, amen. Pastor. Hallelujah. Oh.